few weeks, we've looked at this idea of one at a time, specifically focusing on how do we love other people well. And so way back at the beginning, at the very first week, we talked about we have to have our focus in the right place. Again, sometimes we can look at the crowds that are following us and measure our success of how well are we loving people by how many are following us, but that's incorrect. Or sometimes we can be looking at ourselves instead of the person right in front of us. And so to really love well, we need to be able to pay attention to those who are right in front of us, who come into our paths. We also talked about this idea that God wants to work in us so that then he can work through us. And the more that we are open to listening to what God has to teach us, we then can use that. It's an overflow, the spirit coming inside of us to then influence those around us. We talked about how to love well, we must be present. Like it's hard to love from a distance. And so you have to get your hands dirty. You have to be among people to be able to love them well. We talked about that it's important to love those hard-to-love people, those EGR, extra grace-required people. But when those individuals come into our life, like God calls us to go the extra mile. And then last week, we talked about compassion and how it's more than just a feeling, but it is this aspect of there needs to be action. Like God has something stirring in me. How can I help in this situation? And even talking about all these things, this idea of, okay, loving people well, that can still seem like a big thing. And it reminds me of the question that has been asked for years, how do you eat an elephant? And I don't know where that came from. Like who thought, let's, let's talk about this elephant. Like who in here has actually ever eaten an elephant? Like it probably tastes like chicken, just like everything else. But like, you know, why do we talk this thing? I get the picture. Like I get it. This thing is huge in front of me. So where do I start? And the answer to that question about how do you eat an elephant is one bite at a time. You simply begin somewhere and you start. And so even with this topic of how do I love well, even one person at a time, how do I love one person at a time well? The answer to that is with one decision at a time. Like if you think about it and there's someone that you're trying to love, there's still a lot of decisions to go into. How do I show this person that I love them, that I care for them in this moment? And so we're talking about this idea of one decision at a time because even a small decision can change the trajectory of where you go. We're going to go back to math class for a moment because I mentioned math last week. Some of you are like, wait, it's a long weekend. You don't want to be thinking about math, but that's what we're going to do. And so I have some skewers here. And if I just ask you as a crowd here to answer, and I hold these two like this, I don't know if you can see it well, but what kind of angle is this? Like close enough, what would you say? It's a right triangle. Excellent. What if I move this one this direction? Now what kind of angle is it? It's an obtuse, good, not as loud, but some people still know it, okay? Some people weren't quite as sure, but you thought so. What about this one? What's it called? It's an acute, all right? That's an acute, okay, anyway. But that's the different kinds of things. There's also things called a segment, all right? Not just a line. A segment has two points, a starting point and an end point. A line goes both directions, so it will go on forever. And then you have a ray, that there is a point, and then from that point on, it goes. And so I want you to imagine my two skewers here are two different rays, but they are going on the exact same axis, which basically means the same line, all right? And so if I have them and they're not bent whatsoever, you would not be able to notice the second one behind it because it is going the exact same line. If I turn it, you can tell there are two there. But again, it is just one line, even though they're both going the exact same direction. 
So let's say that one of these lines we change by a single degree, all right? Still starts at the same spot, and it's got about a degree. I got to make sure I get it right because someone last night told me it was like three quarters of a degree, okay? So there we go. That is approximately a degree difference, all right? That we're starting at the same point. Obviously, there's a little bit of light, but not a whole lot. So you might go, that's not that big of a difference. But if you followed these two lines, say a mile, So we start here, kind of right at South Rock Christian Church, and you follow it north for a mile, so it ends approximately where Rock Road and Madison meet. That's approximately a mile. If you were to follow this one degree difference, instead of ending up at the stoplight, you would be 92 feet one way or the other, all by that simple little spot. Now you might go, how, how big is that? 92 feet is the equivalent from the back of the worship center back there to right about here. All right, and so if it's not super busy up there, you might still be able to see the person that you were trying to meet, but if it's busy, you are not able to see whoever it is that you were meeting, and that's only a mile. Let's say you continued it on a lot farther. Imagine the distance that would continue to grow. But sometimes we just think about this small decision, and it's not really that big of a deal, but that was even just one decision, and it started me out on a different trajectory. So imagine if you make a decision and then you make another decision and then you make another decision. Like all of a sudden, it ends up pointing you in a different direction than where you started. And so even small decisions that sometimes we look at and go, is this really that big a deal? It can lead us to completely different places. And so each decision that you make really is a big deal. And so if you have your Bibles, open up to Galatians chapter six this morning, okay? This is the text that we're looking at, Galatians chapter six. Paul is talking near the end of his letter, and he's talking about doing good to others, all right? And so in this passage, I imagine maybe you've heard part of it before, maybe not the entire section. Maybe you've read it, but parts of it have stuck out before. We're going to read verses 7 through 10 in Galatians chapter 6 and just see what Paul says. So here's his words. He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. It says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And so as you read there, it talks about this idea of don't think that you can pull something over on God. Like he completely knows everything that's going on. And from that, it talks about you will reap what you sow. The things that you do will come back to you. And so he talks about where do these seeds come from? Are you sowing these seeds from the sinful nature? It's all about you, selfishness is me, you know, those kind of things. If you do, it will end in destruction. So, but if you choose to sow these seeds from the spirit, like listening to things that God wants in his ways, it will end in eternal life. Like the seeds that you sow make a difference. And then he goes on to say this idea of don't become weary. Like don't give up. Man, even as we've been talking over the last few weeks, that can be encouraging to us because there are those moments that you are around those EGR people and you don't see any fruit. Man, I continue to try to invest in them, show them that I care, and it just doesn't seem like it's coming back at all. There's those moments that I've shown compassion again and again and again, and I'm just getting tired. 
And it's a good reminder, do not give up because as you continue to sow those seeds that come from the Spirit, you will receive the harvest. God will bring it back to you. And even at the end, he says, make sure that you're caring for all people. Continue to show love with whoever you encounter, but specifically make sure that you're showing love to the family of believers. It doesn't mean that you love them more, but you're making sure that our needs are being kept. Like you guys are helping one another out so that people see a difference to those of us who are following after Christ. Every decision you make is a seed that you sow. And so even thinking about that aspect, it's this idea of the law of sowing and reaping, and you don't have to understand it, you don't have to like it, but it still exists. Like, it's kind of like the law of gravity, all right? You do not have to like the law of gravity. You do not have to understand it for it to affect you. You don't have to agree with it. You know, gravity doesn't care. You trip on something and begin to fall, and gravity is going to kick in, whether you think it is real or not. In the same way, the law of sowing and reaping is real. And so you can go, I don't fully understand it. I don't think it's really going to come back on me, all those kind of things. You can dismiss it, and yet you are deceiving yourself. The seeds you sow come back to you. You reap what you sow. Now, even as you hear that, there's a couple different ways you can hear it. One, you can hear it almost like a threat or a warning, something to be scared of, going, man, the things that I'm doing, they're probably not the right choices and they may come back to me. Or you can hear it the exact opposite. Man, this is a promise from God that as I do the things that he calls me to, like I am going to believe that he is coming through as he said he is. And so this idea of sowing and reaping, it can work for you or it can work against you. So let's even look at some specifics. Let's talk about a marriage, okay? Even if we talk about a marriage that maybe is struggling or came to an end at some point, the question is, how did it get there? And the answer is by one decision at a time. There was a decision that maybe the husband made or the wife made or together as a couple they made and they slowly began separating apart for whatever reason. And so it didn't all just happen at once. There was one decision at a time to lead it to this point. But if you talk about a marriage that is going strong, how did it get there? It's not just because we fell in love and everything worked out. Like you understand that if your marriage is strong, it is because there was one decision at a time that I'm going to show my spouse that I care for them, that I'm going to put them in front of whatever else choice that I could make for this evening, that together we're going to do this thing. And so how do we get there? It is one decision at a time. Or we could talk about what kind of shape are you in? Are you a little bit out of shape? Like, how did that happen? Well, it's one decision at a time. You know, one morning that you woke up going, not going to the gym today. You know what? One lunch at a time that's like, it only cost me 30 cents to get the quadruple cheeseburger instead of the one cheeseburger, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And so you're making these choices one at a time that, well, I'm not quite where I once was. Whereas if you go the other way and man, I'm in shape. How did that happen? Again, It's one decision at a time that I am going to go to the gym, that I am going to skip over that sweet, that I am going to drink water instead of that pop. Whatever that looks like, one decision at a time put me to this place. What if we talked finances? All right. And maybe you are in debt and you're like, how did I get to this spot? And the answer is because of one decision at a time. And maybe there are instances that happen that you have to try and figure out what to do, but still in the big picture, okay, we're going to spend money here or, you know, what, we're going to use our credit card. And so it's just one little thing and another thing. And then you get the statement at the end and you're like, that can't be right. You start looking through and well, yep, every single one of those things is something we bought. And so one decision at a time, put us in the spot that we are. 
But then if you flip side it, and you're in a spot of stability and saving, you're like, how did we get here? The same answer is true, that it's one decision at a time. That in this moment in life, we're going to put some back to save. We're going to say no to going out as a family to do this and do something that's free. You know, we're going to bypass eating this, or this is the kind of car we're going to buy, or whatever that is. All of that is one decision at a time. So you could be standing here and look back and go, how did I get to the point that I'm at? You could also dream and go, I would love to be at this spot right here. How do I get there? And the answer to both of them is one decision at a time. And so all the seeds that we sow, we end up reaping. And even talking about this idea, again, because it's small decisions that end up making a big difference, I think it's important at the end of the day to kind of stop and just simply ask some questions. Or maybe we could just use the word evaluate. How did I do today? And so one of the questions you could ask is, did I ask God for wisdom at all today? Like, did I stop and say, God, I need your help in this. Give me some wisdom to know what to do. Or did you just try to tackle things all based off your own wisdom, your own knowledge, your own experience? You know, maybe one of the questions is, who did I uh, ask questions to? Or what kind of wise counsel did I seek? Like, did I ask anyone questions? And if I did, did I actually listen to their input or did I already know what I was going to do before that? You know, even talking about that idea of who did I ask questions to, you could ask the question, who did I spend time with today? Because those that we hang out with really do influence us. And so maybe just stopping and looking back and going, how did my day go as far as that? Maybe if you're looking at the decisions that you made, you could ask, in what way did I specifically show love to my spouse or my kids today? Like if I asked them, hey, do you feel love today? They could point to, you did this. Is that something that you could evaluate at the end of the, your day? Maybe you could ask, is there some sin that I did today that I need to repent of? Like before it gets going that one degree path way down here where we're separated by a lot more, is there something that I can take care of right now and ask God, will you forgive me of this and get me back on that path that I need to be on? Maybe at the end of the day, the question can be, is there someone that I need to reconcile with? Something happened, maybe it was a conversation, maybe it was an action, and before it gets like so much farther that we're not talking ever, can we take care of that? Is there someone that I need to reconcile with today? Maybe in our whole idea of loving other people, the question you could ask at the end of the day is, who did I encourage today? Who did I show love to today? And so all of those, when you look at them, these little decisions, they impact us, but they also impact those around us. And sometimes like when we think about like how God works in our lives, we think about those mountaintop experiences. Like, you know, you heard about CIY, one of the, the missions that we support. And so many of our students go to these events and there are spots where they can get away and they're listening and they're focusing and there's relationships going on. And so many students come back at a time just going, that was amazing. I got this, like God taught me this. And so there are those moments in life that God really does speak to us on those mountaintop experiences. But you know what? Even in our routine, even in the day-to-day -day life, there are so many Holy Spirit moments. But our eyes have to be open to them. There's so many times that we just get stuck in the routine or we just think it's obscure that we don't think growth happens. But it does if our eyes are open to them. Because God works even in the small decisions. And even talking about that, like sometimes we can go, okay, you know what? There are some decisions I need to make. Like I need to get healthier or I want to have more patience or I want to have, you know, more courage or more love, something like that. And so we can work hard at it. 
And if we do that, we might become a better person. But if we've never invited Jesus into the whole experience, that's all we're coming is a better person. Like you might miss who God wants you to be because he's the one that transforms us. And I think about what John said in chapter three, like he's got his followers and he's teaching them. They're asking him questions about the Messiah. They're asking, are you the Messiah? And John says, no, no, it's not me, but he's excited for the one is to come. And he even says he is here right now. And then in John chapter three, verse 30, John says, he must become greater. I must become less. You know what? It's not just about all these things that I can do, this self-help kind of stuff. I need Jesus to become more and more in me. I need people to be able to see him through my actions, through my words, through my thoughts. And as that happens, as I get that attitude, it will change me, and then it changes those around me. But all of that starts still with a single decision. I remember a sermon a few years ago by a guy named Drew Moore, and he was speaking about this idea of life and living it fully unleashed. And he used um, the, the things that happened in Joshua chapter 3 and 4 where it, the Israelites, they walked through dry ground through the Jordan River. And even as I say that, you might go, wait, wait, wait. I thought the Israelites walked through the dry ground on the Red Sea, which is true. If you know in the book of Exodus, when God freed the people of Israel, you know, Moses is standing there and he holds up his staff and all of the Israelites go through on dry ground. And even when they're through, the Egyptian army is falling after him and Moses puts his staff back down. At that point, the waters come back together and all the Egyptian army that's in there is killed. And so the, the Israelites, I'm sure they're celebrating. And so that happens. But there's an event that if you fast forward 40 years, that God does something similar again. Now, 40 years because they hadn't listened to God and so he caused them to wander because they weren't ready to take God at his promise that we can overtake the people in the promised land. And so now 40 years have passed and they are camped out right next to the Jordan River and they are preparing for what God is about to do. And in Joshua chapter three, verse five, this is what we read. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will make uh, will do amazing things among you. And so that word consecrate, like it means this idea of dedicating or making something sacred. He's basically telling everyone, you get ready because God is going to work through us. He is going to use you. You're going to see these things happen tomorrow. And so the instructions given to everyone is the priests are going to go first. They're going to be at the front of the line, and there you're going to carry the Ark of the Covenant. All right, the Ark of the Covenant that has the Ten Commandments in it, that has a jar of manna in it, that has Aaron's budded branch in it. But more importantly, this represents the presence of God. And so the priests, they are going to be carrying this Ark of the Covenant, and you all will get behind it. And when they step up to the water, that first step will stop the water. Like, this is different, you know, because back then Moses held the staff open and it stopped, you know, beforehand. Here, the water is going to be going until the priests step into the water and then it will stop. They will then go out to the middle. Everyone will cross by. And then when the priests with the Ark of the Covenant make it their way all the way through, the waters will come again. And then you will route all those who are in the promised land, that area, because it will be yours. And so that's what's told to Joshua. That's what's told to the people. And in this sermon that we uh, listened to, I remember the speaker said, it's easy to be excited about the destination, but not the journey. 
Like, hey, there's the promised land, but then what is he doing up to this point? And sometimes you and I can be in the same spot, that we're excited about what's going to happen, but what's happening right now, or the difficulty, or the steps to get there, can be a little bit more difficult. And so even in that, sometimes when we're standing here in front of the river, we can look back, we can look at the past and see what God has done. Like the Israelites, they could look and see that God has fulfilled every promise he said. Even while we were in slavery, he said, I will come for you. And if we would have listened, we would have been able to take over the promised land, but we felt, no, 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 we can't take them. And so God even said, okay, everyone who is 20 years and older is going to die because you chose not to listen to me. And they look and see, this has all happened. And so everything that God has said, he's been faithful to. And so as I stand here in front of this river, I know that God has been faithful everything in the past. And you and I can be the exact same way. And we can look at our past and go, God has showed up moment after moment after moment. And even sometimes if we're struggling with our own story, we're still relatively new in this whole Jesus thing. You can look at other people's stories and they can tell you this is where God showed up time and time again. And so we can be confident about what God has done based off the past. We can also be excited about the future. Like here's the Israelites standing in front of the river and they're looking ahead is the promised land. There it is. And for you and I, maybe we can be looking forward and going, okay, God has promised us eternity with him. Like God has promised to be with us in this life. And so there isn't the loneliness. There isn't the shame that that has to continue to weigh us down. There's these things that we can hold on to his truths, his promises. And so I'm excited about all that and where he's going to take me. But just like the Israelites, we still have to stand in front of the water and we have to take that step that first decision, we still have to take that action step. And so for the Israelites, they had to step in the water to stop it. And for you and I, there might be that step that God says, I want you to do this. This is how you love this person. This is how you allow me to continue to mold you and change you as I am the potter and you are the clay. But as we listen, sometimes like fear wins out. We're still afraid, but what if? Like, look at this elephant in front of me. How am I going to tackle this big thing? And God says, I simply want you to trust me one decision at a time. And so maybe as a follower of Christ, as we're thinking through things and we've talked about stuff, maybe your prayer is, God, will you help me with just one decision at a time to understand who you are and allow you to work in me? Like maybe I've been fighting that off or maybe I think that it's got to be a certain way, but would you open up my heart? God, as I'm in your word, will you reveal things to me that I've never seen before, one decision at a time? God, will you help me to follow you well? So not just to let it be a mind thing, but God, help me with the steps then that I have to take with my life. God, that one decision at a time, will you help me to be able to love these other people? And maybe for some of you, that first step, that one decision stepping into the water. And I'm not talking about the river, but I'm talking about the waters of baptism saying, God, I'm ready to completely follow after you and let you lead. (laughs) Less of me, more of you. And I want to see where you lead because I want to follow after you. And I will tell you, if that's the decision you make, it is more than a one degree difference. It is a complete 180. And God will completely make you new. I'm just going to tell you, it's kind of a fun time because we had a baptism a couple weeks ago. We have two coming up in the next service. We have another one this afternoon. We have one or two coming this Thursday. And it's all because people are listening to the word and we're like, this is what we want. And it also has to do with all of us loving people one at a time, making sure that we're focused on the right things, 
so that people see God through us. So I'm excited just to see how he continues to work. But what I want you to do, I'm just going to give you about a minute. And I want you just to pray. Maybe there is that one decision that you've been struggling with and you're like, God, I know this is what you want, but this is what I'm wanting instead. And so maybe you need to spend some time surrendering that to him. That's the song that we sang beforehand, like surrender. You know, I want more of you. And so maybe that's part of your prayer. Maybe your prayer continues to be, God, help me with that one person that I'm supposed to love. Help me to know how to do that that one decision at a time for that. And maybe some of you, just like the people who are gonna be choosing baptism here, it's like, this is the decision that I need to make. And maybe part of your prayer is, God, this is what I want. Um, And so I wanna do that. So I'm just gonna give you about a minute. You pray as the Spirit leads you and connect with Him as how is it that I'm supposed to sow these seeds that then I reap them. So pray right where you're at. God, I'm grateful that as I read your word, it just talks about that you are the one that does the transformation in our lives. This is not just us working harder. God, I pray that we continue to allow you in, that we continue to um, be in your word, that we continue to spend moments of quiet listening to you so that then we can be directed in the path that you want us to go. God, I'm thankful that you use us. I'm thankful that you mold us. And I'm thankful that your power is beyond what we can imagine. And so this week, even as we've just been praying these things, help us in those areas. And again, it's not that we earn your love, but God, it's that you work through us. And so I'm grateful for all that you have done as we look at the past, all that you're gonna do as we look to the future. I got all that you are doing right now in the present. And so for that, we give you praise. It is in your name that we pray, amen.